Well, good day and welcome to Holding Fast. Great to welcome you to the podcast. How is your anchor holding today? Is it holding firmly to the unshakable Word of God? Is it holding true to the gospel according to the Lord Jesus Christ? Welcome today. Glad you're here. Looking forward to once again exploring some of the evangelistic methods of the Apostle Paul and how it can help us uh, to be more effective in our testimony for the Lord Jesus. Uh, you know, as I thought about this and meditated on it, I I began to go back and read in my scriptures and remember that Luke's account of the Great Commission is a little bit different from Matthew's. But even in Luke, it's recorded that Jesus tells us exactly what we are to proclaim to our neighbors and all nations. Those things include this specifically, and if you look at it, want to look it up, it's in chapter 24, verses 46 and 47. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read that to you right now. Uh, in chapter 24, let me turn there in my own Bible here this morning, uh, it says very specifically here the things that are included. And, uh, and uh, um, said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So Jesus is telling them exactly here what, what, what we are to proclaim to our neighbors and to every nation. As a matter of fact, we don't want to send out any missionaries that will do anything other than this. Uh, at our church assembly, at our fellowship, we don't want to send out missionaries that are just going to learn, teach people how to make sandwiches or drill wells. And while there's nothing wrong with making sandwiches and drilling wells, that doesn't save a person's soul. What we do want to be concerned with, though, is teaching them how they can know God and know Christ. And what that involves is Jesus' sufferings. We have to teach that he suffered for our sin. Uh, that he died and that his resurrection is an accomplished fact and that the way that you uh, the way that you obtain salvation is not just believing in that but repentance and the forgiveness of sins Uh, anything less than that is an incomplete gospel and throughout the decades American Christianity has often been plagued with denominations and churches that had a watered-down, cheap gospel, uh, that it didn't cost anything, anybody anything to believe, that it was cheap grace, it was cheap salvation, that you just uh, said some kind of a, a prayer, a simplistic prayer, and all of a sudden you're in. No, the fact of the matter is the Bible says that there are certain things that must be embraced believed in to the point where you're willing to go to the grave over that anything less is an incomplete gospel any sacrifice of christ that does not involve the remission excuse me the shedding of blood for the remission of sins is incomplete any so-called gospel that preaches a uh, 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 an empty resurrection or no resurrection at all or even a fraudulent death by Christ on the cross that he either just <clears throat> swooned or fainted or was in some kind of of a coma that's an incomplete gospel that is false and fraudulent everyone needs to be made aware that their greatest need is God and his forgiveness and it only comes it only comes When people understand Jesus suffered, he died, 
he rose again on the third day, that it demands repentance, brokenness, sorrow over their sin, and then to acknowledge him as the Lord of their life. That's how salvation comes. We need to let people know this. People need to be made aware of it. Uh, because today, humanitarianism has replaced salvation. Being a good neighbor has been substituted for humble, broken repentance. For the Athenians that Paul was speaking to and trying to evangelize, <clears throat> the hang-up that they had was the resurrection from the dead. It became a stumbling block to their belief. But the basic ingredients of the gospel could not be amended. Paul had no liberty to be able to change or extract or make something different. It couldn't be altered or added to. Uh, there, Paul could not accommodate his message to the whims of those philosophers in Athens. Uh, the fickle culture of the day, even in his day, that was always looking to hear something new, uh, would make the message of the gospel, if he were to change it, some kind of farce that, had, that was robbed of its saving ability. Folks, let me just remind us today that we have no authority to change our message because an aspect of the basic gospel is not in vogue. Back in the 1920s and so, there was a movement that sought to eliminate from the gospel any thoughts of Christ shedding his blood on the cross. The cry used to be, oh, I don't believe in a bloody gospel. Well, my friend, if you don't believe in a bloody gospel, then you don't believe in the gospel of Scripture. You don't believe in a saving gospel. Because the only gospel to save is where the blood was shed of the Lamb of God for the sins of the world. And so we have no authority to change and take things out. Uh, that's not our prerogative. But yet, that's what's going on today, to try to water it down, to make it more acceptable. And we want to make people more followers of a church and a man than we do of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Paul, not wanting to amend or change in any way the gospel, to try to accommodate it to those who he was preaching to, he wanted to make sure that they understand the truth. We, the messengers, you, a messenger today, have to be true to the word that's been given to you in Scripture. When the Apostle Peter wrote that we should always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have, he was telling us to be ready to present the gospel. That we needed to be crystal clear in those who would ask concerning this hope that we have. Why do we have joy when we look around us and we see the the, the uh, tumultuous times of struggle in our world today and the anger and the hatred. Uh, they want to know why we have joy, although I, I know there are some believers that don't because they're just sinning day by day and they're gripped in the fear of this world as if they're living for this existence alone. But those that are true students of their Bible know what is promised in Scripture and therefore we have hope in what Christ has done for us. And so Peter was telling you, be ready to present the gospel. That's the reason for our hope. Uh, it's, it's, it's not anything that's wrapped up in our abilities or our, uh, our, um, our gift to be able to, to look beyond our current circumstance and be positive thinkers. 
I'm going to tell you right now, all the positive thinking in the world will not save a soul from hell, but the gospel of Jesus Christ will. So we have our hope that Jesus died and rose again. And I want to challenge you. You have to ask yourselves the question, uh, can those whom you talk to when you witness to them, who know that you're a believer, can they explain what it is that you believe? Are you really communicating the gospel? Are you giving them the truth? Often when I have opportunity to give somebody the good news of Christ and I go through the plan of salvation, I'll ask them to explain it back to me so that I might be able to know if they genuinely understood. Folks, that's what we got to do. We got to communicate the whole gospel, the whole truth of God's saving grace. Boy, there's no greater message that you could ever give to anybody that comes across your path. That's exciting. It ought to excite you. Know that you have a part in introducing somebody to the greatest relationship with their Creator that they'll ever have. God bless you today. Be faithful. Be a missionary. Look for an evangelistic opportunity. God bless.